0: This is the Community Roundtable, a production of dotcom plus, one hundred five point five FM, WNSP, ninety two point one The Zoo, ninety six point five The Crab, and ninety two point five The Soul. Here's Kelly Finley. Good Sunday morning, and welcome to the community roundtable. I'm Kelly Finley. Happy Sunday, and what a great way to really celebrate Sunday by learning more and embracing more and encouraging local. That's what we do around here. As I do each Sunday, I have my guests introduce themselves and tell you which organization they're with, and then we get right to the conversation at hand. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: It's great to have you. Thank you. You're welcome. Let everybody know who you are.
1: Well, uh, my name is Joycelyn Davis. I am the co-founder and former vice president of the Clotilda Descendants Association. And normally when I introduce myself, I like to say I am all things Africatown. I am the Community Engagement Officer with Africatown CHESS, which is an environmental group. The acronym is Clean, Healthy, Educated, Safe, and Sustainable. I'm also on the advisory board of the Africatown Heritage Preservation Foundation. I um, hold many hats. I am the organizer of the Spirit of Our Ancestors Festival. We will celebrate our fifth year in 2023. Uh, last year, we um, performed a play called "An Ocean in My Bones," and that was our first. And you know, that was just something for the younger generation to mm-hmm. kind of grasp for the story, because a lot of times, you know, we have young people who don't like to read, and I don't—I really don't like to say that—but to capture, yeah, the younger audience is to bring the story to life.
0: We had—I had Terrence Byvey on the show.
1: Yes, yeah. you did. Right, right. And just
0: just beautiful to know how much love and attention and encouragement is wrapped around a very painful message. Mm-hmm. Um let's just be very real about that. Um you do wear many hats and but one you didn't add and I love to um highlight you about is that you're a survivor too.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> 6 years. 6 wow. years. 6
0: years. And this is—I mean—October is Breast Cancer Awareness mm-hmm. Month, so mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. for six all, years. for doing what you had to do to be thank here you. today. Literally. What a blessing you are! Yes. So many hats, many hats, and and Clotilda Descendants Association. What does that mean? What is your mission? How are you getting the word out on a very important topic?
1: Well, through social media, we have a um, Instagram page. The festival. Um, you can. We have a website where people can go, and there's a link where you can click on, and you can find all the books that are written on Africatown, right? So that's the way, and you know through we've been featured on 60 Minutes and National Geographic. So there are many ways that people can learn about the Africatown slash Clotilda story. And they're like, again, there are several books written on the story. Mm-hmm. And our mission is to educate the world.
0: And it, 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 bring us into Africatown. What do, do people need to know about Africatown? Wow. I know. Because some people don't know. And you know what? People from around the country, the globe, listen to this show. So bring them in. You are the ambassador of Africatown right now. What do they need to know about Africatown? Africatown Town.
1: Africa Town. Well, the Clotilda ship is the last known documented slave ship in U.S. history. And both of my ancestors were aboard that slave ship. And in the early 1800s, um, slavery was abolished. And you could not bring in enslaved Africans into the country. Slavery was still legal, but to bring them in was deemed illegal. Mm-hmm. So there were some things going on in the kingdom of Dahomey. There was a war between tribes, and it's kind of sad to say. And there was an article put in the Mobile Register in 1858, and you can go down to the genealogy library and find this article about there was a, um, there was a war between tribes, and there was a brisk sale of slaves. Mm-hmm. So a wealthy, a wealthy businessman got word of this. And, you know, people talk about there was a bet. But we like to say that there was, a, um, there was a bet, but it was Timothy Mayer and his business partner. So there were several individuals that were involved in this. There was the King of Dahomey, which is present-day Benin, and you had Timothy Mayer and his business partners. So he hired the best-known sea captain in Mississippi. Was, his name is Cap- Captain William Foster. Captain Foster built the Clotilda in 1855. Now, as a little girl, I just thought one man went over to Benin and and brought back um, these enslaved Africans, but he hired a crew that went with him. And also, there are so many layers because they brought that was water, that was bread, that was flour, that was rum, all these different things that were aboard this ship. And also he went over with nine thousand dollars in gold. There was an exchange, and so he took all of these
0: goods with him in exchange for enslaved africans mm-hmm. and And two of your family members
1: two of my family members, uh Oluale, which is African name, his enslaved name was Charlie Lewis. And his uh, he married his shipmate, Maggie Lewis. She's listed as Maggie America Lewis. So she's a name without a face. I know what Charlie looked like, but I don't know what Maggie looked like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we talk about our ancestors who were aboard the Clotilda, we talk about the, the men. And a lot of times people don't talk about the female. And I had an event called Women of Worth. We had to go virtual. And I wanted to highlight the women on the Clotilda ship, because sometimes I think the women are forgotten. Yes. You
0: are so right about <laughs> that. Because you start thinking about, I've heard these stories, but I've never heard about the women. Mm-hmm. So they got married.
1: Mm-hmm. They were shipmates. And then also, there was, um, the ages ranged from 2 to 25, right? So there was a 2-year-old on the Clotilde, mm-hmm. and her name was Matilda Creer, And she's the last known living um survivor she's a female with that was shipped to selma right Right. that
0: you recently came to uh made news headlines because Mm -hmm. so many people thought cujo lewis um you know they they heard the name um and they thought well that must have been the last but wow Mm -hmm. you are really informing us and it's so important to do that because i think you're right i mean this generation they're so technology is technology overload. Mm-hmm. And so if they can't get things in bite size, if they can't read a post at a red light, they don't want to know, right? <laughs> you're a teacher, you know, and so capturing their attention with what you're saying right now, it it makes you want to lean in and, and, and know more. Mm-hmm. So the bet happens. Um, <sighs> these human beings are mm-hmm. brought over
1: against their will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a foster, Foster went over, it was like a two-month journey, and he stayed in the kingdom of Nahomey for around eight days. And these individuals were already in a barracoon for his selection. right? So he just didn't go over and come right back, he stayed right. for eight days. And now these individuals had to be examined, mm. you know, and Look, they had to go through, just you know.
0: demoralizing, just, mm-hmm
1: yeah the door of no return yeah and in the city of pritchard they have the door of return interesting right? where the, is that located that is we we call it um downtown pritchard mall
0: okay yes and on, they, on main street mm-hmm. okay
1: well is it uh, wilson is, avenue well, okay wilson gotcha. avenue and they have the door of return mm. so there was so many it was so many layers to it and like i said, say it was a two month journey also Foster stayed for eight days, and they were in a barracoon for him. In that he made his selection, and the thing of the the most the main thing about is that they survived this journey. Right? How many? Well, some say one hundred and eight, some say one hundred and nine, okay. but we, as a descendants association, we 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 recognize the full one hundred and ten. Right. Right. So they survived this journey. And this was something that I didn't talk about when I was in school. And although I did go to school with kids that were descendants, this is something that, you know, I, I'm, I attend Union Missionary Baptist Church. My family is from Lewis's quarters. And it's just something I just didn't talk about openly.
0: Well, I think especially if you're not surrounded by people who are telling you how empowering your message is, it's easy to feel shame. As a little person, mm-hmm. not knowing, especially not knowing the breadth and the, and the depth of this story mm-hmm. of how these people were brought here and how they not only survived, but they thrive. They
1: thrive. That's the thing I, I like to talk about is what they did when they got here. Mm-hmm. So I think about these were, there was a preschooler, there were elementary, there were middle, there were high, and there were college students on this ship.
0: And 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 let's just be real. It's not the type of ship like we know of today, where people can mill around. Okay, and they've got bathrooms and they've got food. It wasn't like
1: that at all. No, because actually the sh- the um, the Clotilda was not a slave ship. It was a ship that carried goods mm-hmm. back and forth. So Foster outfitted it, but I don't think he really made it large enough. Really, because these people were cramped. A, schoon- a schooner. A schooner. Yes. Right, and it was fast. It was sleek. It was beautiful. You know, but (coughs) able to hide human beings, Mm -hmm. young people. And I think about what they did when they got here. You know, they did not come to the United States with a slavery mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. They had, you know, how like when you're a, a young adult, you have a five year plan and they had a five year plan where they formed a school, they started a church and they started their own community because they actually thought that if they worked for these five years, that they could actually go back home. But they were denied that. Right. Right. So since we can't go back home, we'll form our own community.
0: And you wish more people were as resilient today as they were back then, especially the way they were taken from their homeland brought here. Um, and. Y- I mean, I know the story intimately more so because I am a part of the Dora Franklin-Finley African-American Heritage Trail, but I'm amazed because you hear the name Timothy Mayer, you hear the name William Foster. Those names are still in Mobile. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to not to get emotional about that mm-hmm. and say, well, where are these people and why they're not supporting Africatown mm. if they're not or if they are. I don't know, but that, that would be the first question that you would, I would think people would want to know. Because Africatown is still very much here, and Lewis Quarters, will you describe what Lewis Quarters looks like right now and where it's located?
1: Well, how I I, I like to talk about Lewis Quarters is one way in and one way out, mm-hmm. and actually, my ancestor, and when we talk about the story that they were divided, you know, false to receive between eight to ten. Timothy Mayer received the bulk. His brother Burns received a couple enslaved Africans. And my ancestor was enslaved by this person named Colonel Thomas Buford. So what Lewis's Quarters is is what the Buford Plantation was. So, you know, there were several people that were involved in this quote-unquote bid.
0: And what year are we talking about right about now?
1: So this is about 1865, 1870, because Lewis's Quarters was established in 1870. Okay. If you go into Lewis's Quarters, it'll say... Lewis's Quarters established in 1870, welcome family and friends. So it's one way in and one way out. And how I how you get into Lewis's Quarters, you have to go through, which is, it used to be Guff Lumber Company, but now it's Can 4. You have to go through, you, you think you're going through the lumber company, but it's actually houses back there. Mm-hmm. So my ancestor was, um, I, I don't like to say the word aloud, but... Mm-hmm. Colonel Thomas Buford, he was able to buy land from Colonel Thomas Buford in 1870. And we still have family members that still live there today. Wow. Right, since 1870. But it's surrounded by lumber. Mm-hmm. Chemicals. <laughs> right. Yes. So, you know, when I think about Lewis's quarters, you know, it's one way in, one way out. And you're mm-hmm. you're driving on this gravel. And it was a, it's a secluded place. It's where my great-grandmother lived. She was born in... 1899 and she passed away in 1997 right so um we called her mama she was um Of course, my mother's grandmother, my great-grandmother, but she wasn't Gigi or anything like that. We just called her Mama. (laughs) Right. So I would visit Mama every Saturday. My mom would go grocery shopping for her. She was like, come on, let's get up. We're going to the quarters to go grocery shopping for Mama. But when I would hear the word quarters, I didn't know anything different. I didn't know it was a slave quarters. Wow. But I just thought this is what we we call the quarters. Yes. And it, it, you know... Her brother lived next door. Her sister lived across the way, and it was just—it's all family. But I didn't know any different. Because how old are you at this point? Oh, ten—you know, eighteen years yeah. old, just young. young. I mean, just from a little girl, just on up. Mm-hmm. It's like—and then I remember Lorna Woods um, talking to my that da- my dad and I'm standing next to him, and she was telling him the story about Colonel Thomas Buford and that land, and I was like, wow. You know we're standing on a slave quarter.
0: How and I know this is radio, so people can't see you. Um, but how do you remain cheerful? How do you keep that smile on your face, knowing what your family has gone through, and and honestly, to some degree, still goes through. Right.
1: I'm I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful because this story. And it's, it's, it's always been in our Alabama history books. It's in the fourth grade Alabama history and ninth grade Alabama history, which I remember. So I, I I value it more now than I did when I was younger. So that's why I have this smile on my face, because I feel prideful. It's like, this is what they did. And reading Emma Langdon Roach's book, um, Charlie was a leader. He was a leader, right? And, he, and we have Lewis's quarters, his name after him. Right. So it was it was he and a few other enslaved Africans that that founded Lewis's quarter. So that's prideful that land is empowerment. Say that again, please. Land is empowerment, right?
0: I mean, we, we. I mean, children of today are told, you know, go rent this or go buy that, but they don't. Nobody talks land mm-hmm. because God's not creating anymore, as my husband loves to say.
1: It, he's not creating anymore, and they were owning land mm-hmm. back then. Back then, Ooh. they, you know, and I'm sure those who, and you know, and I say this with all due respect, those who were already here. Who didn't have that mindset of you know we're not going to ask him for, for land they you know they were like no we're gonna we're gonna ask him we buy some of this land right and,
0: and and how much land if you were looking at it right now how much land are you talking
1: well from what we see is seven acres but I do believe it's more because um according to our family historian Lorna Woods that there are graves. Charlie Lewis was buried there and his wife and a few others. So where Canfor 4 is now, there's a burial site. O- on their property? Mm-hmm. How do you get to it? Well, it's called Lot 38, but it's, 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 it's covered. So, mm-hmm. But they, I would love to see them have a respectable burial site.
0: So right now, can you reach it without having to ask permission from the company? To go over there, I'm not quite sure. Okay, well, I'm hopefully not. they're listening, and maybe this will, you know, be the green light that was needed to to move that forward.
1: And I would love to see a um, proper marker for Lewis's quarters. That would be great as well. And, and if if that company is listening, <laughs> <and> that's right, <laughs> listening too. uh huh. You know, we have the sign because, you know, bef- uh, I remember years ago it didn't say Lewis's Quarters, but uh, my uncle Gary Archer and Lorna Woods, they're responsible for having that sign made that says Lewis's Quarters. But I'm i am so prideful and I'm so thankful that my uncle, when she's retired military, that he came back. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people leave Mobile, and don't ever come back. But he came back and he's still holding on to that space.
0: That is beautiful. If you're just tuning in, uh, welcome to the Community Roundtable. That's Joycelyn Davis. She is the former vice president and co-founder of the Clotilde Descendants Association. She wears many hats, and we're talking about Africa Town, the Clotilde, um, Lewis Quarters. Some, these are some things that people don't know. And so the fact that you're taking time to talk about it, especially uh, before a, a major premiere happens, um, and that's what, what I wanted to have you on the show for, but going back to um, Lewis Quarters, so, your uh, family—they own this land. They're you're little, and your your mom is saying we got to go to mom's to the quarters. Because she's she, your mom's going grocery shopping, but your great grandma she's going to take care of you while she's grocery shopping. And then what?
1: Just, just you think about mobile, and I think about Lewis's quarters. I think about pecan trees and the magnolia trees, and I would just. She has this huge magnolia tree in her yard, and I would just love to play with those magnolia leaves and just sit on the porch. And she had this like rocking chair that I would just sit in, and I would just be amazed because, you know, I had my mother, I had my grandmother, and I had my great grandmother. All these women, all these, yeah, uh huh. All uh, yes, the strength of these women, and I was always in awe of her. She was a, a a beautiful woman, strong woman. She. She worked at the Battle House, which was, you know, you always wonder what kind of career. You're, you're, you know I always wonder what kind of career she had, but she worked at the Battle House. And, you know, she saw all these people coming in and out and how they would dress so nice. And she would get, you know, some of the hand-me-downs. But she had her she had a fur coat. And I have a picture of her and her fur coat and her fur hat. Mm-hmm. So she was stylish. She was and stylish. And you talking about this is great-grandmother. This great-grandmother. What would you say to her if she were here today? Oh, I would say mama. I'm carrying a torch for you. Cuz they were now my grandmother, great-grandmother, they were they were strong women. I mean, they could hunt, they could fish, they could do all of the above. And one thing that they they did which I don't do, they they were carriers. I mean, I'm saying pistol-packing women. <laughs> <laughs> they were carriers. So I, you know, I'm not a carrier, but uh-huh. they were, you know, you you would you didn't you mess, mess with them. You don't you don't mess with them. Not to talk. You can <laughs> totally tell. <laughs>
0: So fast forward to um, back into the story. So you know, families are having to create a way. They have their own everything, like they're thriving in Africa Town. Do they ever hear from the Fosters and the Mayors and the and the Bufords on a regular basis, or is that or are, is that just kind of background from from what you know from um, the stories that your family has shared with you?
1: So as far as I'll, I'll talk about the Fosters first, because. Mike Foster, who is a cousin to Captain Foster, we met him in 2020 when we did the Anderson Cooper piece, right? We met him. So he didn't know who he was until he did his ancestry. So I talked to Foster, and this is the truth, every other day. He now? Yes, he's. <laughs> ever since he's <laughs> like brought him along, <laughs> right? He's in Wisconsin, but every other day he's like asking what's going on, just to be updated. But I, I he, he's a great guy. And again, he didn't know about his family history, and
0: many don't. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that if we're all, whatever side you're on with whatever issue whatever your ancestors did that you don't have to carry that, but at least be open enough to understand what the heck was going on. Mm -hmm. Not have the attitude of we'll get over it because so many people do, well, they only want this or they only whoever they is. Right. But learning matters because if not just for you, but for the next generation, and so the fact that he's open-minded, um, I, but there was an apology, too, right? Right. He did apologize. That's that. What a big man yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're like family. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you hear from him every other day. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That, that's the foster side. What mm-hmm. about the mayors?
1: Me, personally, I have not. And... You know, I would love to talk to a representative of the Mayor family because I grew up on, and I st- still live today. I grew up on Mayor Street. We call it Mayor Street, it was Mayor Avenue and Timothy Avenue, and I live off Telegraph Road. And if you read more about this story, the Mayor family lived off Telegraph Road, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the early eighteen hundreds. So this is in the Pritchard area. This is where they resided off Telegraph Road. So my daily commute is seeing the marker, the signs, because they very much still own parts of the Pritchard area and most of the Africatown area, which is mobile, but they still own, they still have lots. I mean, they still have lots in the Pritchard area. Mm -hmm. So I always grew, I mean, I grew up in this area and seeing those markers and those signs and, you know, my, my thing is I would I would love to talk to them. Like, are we telling the story correctly? Are you listening to us to say, well, no, that didn't happen. Oh, yes, that did happen. Or, you know, just having that dialogue, having everyone at the table. I would love to have Foster at the table, the mayor's at the at the table, and a representative from the kingdom, from, I'm not saying the kingdom of the homies, someone from the present-day Benin. Right. And I'm a big believer. I, I'm all about positive
0: perspective, Joycelyn. And I feel like, now that it's out there, now that you're saying that, that there are people who really want to have some sort of closure who do want to have a conversation maybe they don't feel the need to apologize but maybe they want to know more and i think if we get pride out of the way Mm -hmm. and we get politics out of the way because that's really what it comes down to and we just let people be people i think so many families would be better because of this that conversation so i um i'm hoping once we post the story that they'll listen and they'll reach out to you
1: yeah and 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 you know it's nothing wrong with having a conversation yes out of love and respect because that's
0: important All right. So we're getting set. We're just a few days away, really, from the Descendant screening that is happening, which is just, I mean, whoa. Yes. You've been all across, splashed across every major publication, which is for all the right reasons. Uh, Let us know what we need to know about the screening.
1: So the screening will be here in Mobile at the Sanger Theater. On October 22nd. So please stay tuned for more information on how to get tickets. And it's also going to be screened at the Crescent. So the Crescent is still here with us. Mm -hmm. And it will be screened on the 23rd. Right. And you've
0: had some, I mean, I mean, major backing, major backing. I mean, people, if you're on social media, then you know what I'm talking about. But a former president and his wife
1: uh, do tell. I can't believe that happened. I st- it's like I still can't. It's like I had lunch with the former president and his wife. Like, but well, so they have a production company called Higher Ground,
0: and they are President uh, Barack Obama and <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> right?
1: Yes, yes. That, that we don't want to say they. <laughs> president Obama and Michelle Obama have a production company called Higher Ground, and they have bought into the film Descendant, and. One thing that was so powerful, when we met one of their representatives, they said that the Obamas do not stamp their name on anything. Mm-hmm. That this film is, was so powerful to them that they felt like they wanted to be a part of it. And then also, um, Amir Thompson, Quest Love, the drummer for the Jimmy Fallon show, traced his roots back to Africatown in 2017. And he and I are related. So he's a part of the, he's an executive producer on the film as well. So it's just all coming full circle because that little girl who stood in Lewis's quarters listening to Lorna Woods tell the story would not have thought that she would be eating lunch with the president, President Obama and his wife and Amir Thompson. Right. See what happens when you know who you
0: are Mm -hmm. and the fact that you're trying to help others learn more about their people who may be your people and we could all be people. That's a beautiful thing. And the fact that we're able to get a snippet and and look at, and then the director's local. Yes. Margaret Brown.
1: Uh huh. Margaret Brown. She is a mobile native and that's, that's the beauty of it. She, she knows the history. She's from the area and we embrace her Mm -hmm. and we support her. And, and let me just say this, because Africa Town, obviously, well,
0: to some, maybe it's not obvious, but this, these are black people. Mm-hmm. Margaret Brown is a Caucasian woman. So that tells you how this is about love and the professionalism and the respect that's wrapped around helping people understand about a mighty community.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want to make a point about that because Margaret always talk about the fact that she is a Caucasian and, and she's. She's not really telling the story. We're telling the story. She's she's behind the lens. But she was not the first Caucasian. It was Emma Langdon Roach. And I know people... Um Talk about Zora Neale Hurston, but Emma Rose was the first, and she was a Mobile native. And her book is called "Historic Sketches of the South," where she interviewed nine of the enslaved Africans and she sketched them. So Margaret is not the first, and I always say, Margaret, you're you're not the first, so don't you know, don't feel like you know you're not worthy of this. You're you are worthy of it, but you're not the first. Caucasian <laughs> to I, I, cover this story. I love that you hear that. I mean,
0: all together, we're all family, mm-hmm. and we're trying to help people to understand something so powerful. If you want to uh, continue the conversation and follow up with Joycelyn Davis, do so. Follow her on Facebook, the Clotilda Descendants Association, on Instagram, Clotilda Descendants Association, and the website Theclotildastory.com Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you. You are always welcome back. Please keep us posted on any new developments. And I hope the mayors and the Fosters and the Bufords are listening and they'll do what's right for all. All right, thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Community Roundtable. Keep it tuned to the Sound of Mobile station. Coming up next is 251 Now with Kelly Finley. You've been listening to the Community Roundtable, a production of .com+, 105.5 FM WNSP, 92.1 The Zoo, 96.5 The Crab, and 92.5 The Soul. Tune in next Sunday at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Community Roundtable on the Sound of Mobile.